Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Fall Spot, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And like I said, welcome to Season 10. This is Episode 91. We're counting down to the big one. Triple Andy, digits. I have a question. Yeah. So if this is Season 10, is this... Is this are we, are we going to do it as Season 10, or is it Season X? Ooh. Are we going to go Roman numerals? Are we going to go Are we going to make this regular whole, 10? Are we going to make most of this season about X-costed spells? <laughs> so, so is this going to be uh, like 10th uh, edition of the core set, or M10? Uh, I, you know, yes. So we could do, that way we could do 10 twice if we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll alternate it every episode. How's that? Uh, All right. And then uh, the last episode will be 10 squared. So, um, Wow. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. <laughs> got you got a cool episode today. We're talking about the fiercest dude uh, possible. Uh, everybody's been up in arms about it lately. And by lately, I mean uh, two months ago uh, when it was revealed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about Mommy Dearest, Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. Um, as as we're coming up on uh, the release of this set, Phyrexia All Will Be One releases in like a week or two, I think. Um, I beginning think so. of February. So, uh, by, by release... There's almost definitely been more, more previews, uh, but as of now, this is like one of the only cards that's been revealed. Uh, but it's also been revealed like six times, so <laughs> in different art, which is exciting. I like I like some of the art. Um, actually, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten printings, according to Scryfall. That's a bit much. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit overkill, but you know, hey, Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. I mean, honestly, a bit overkill. So, for a rare, I hope it gets printed out the wazoo, so people look at it less. Right. If that makes sense, uh, yeah. I hope it gets overprinted, so n- nobody finds it that appealing. Uh, though I do like uh, where I think they're planning on reprinting all of the new. You get like one of each of the new uh, Praetors in the, uh, what's the word? The original okay. concept art for all the Praetors. Sure. The, the new Elish Norn looks pretty sweet. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have that up on screen. Um, because uh, this season, as you can maybe tell, if you're not listening to this on your podcasting platform, we're up on YouTube. We we decided we'd we'd enter the YouTube space. So hello, um, but uh, we welcome to Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. For those who don't know, and I can't imagine that any of you do not know what this card is. Uh, Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, is a legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. As always, uh, she's a four seven for four and a white. So five. MV, as they say. Uh, Vigilance. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponent's control 
to trigger. Uh, so uh, it's uh, panharmonicon for you, and what's what's the what's the other one that torpor torpor orb? Yeah, torpor orb, torpor orb. Yeah, um, for your opponents. So, I mean, it. So, like, I like. I'll I'll start with the positives for me at least. I like the design space. I like that it is going along the lines of how Praetors have always been. The first line of Praetors, I think, were extremely busted as well. Uh, but this one, this line has definitely been more of like, okay, we'll have two effects for me and zero for you type of thing. Obviously, with with uh, Jinkataxis, it was like the first. Artifact or instant or sorcery gets copied for you and countered for your opponents. Uh, and then with the green one... Why can I never remember his name? I don't remember. Uh, the green one is uh, two two counters for you, zero for your opponents type of thing. Uh, double, and, double or nothing. Uh, it's a real crark of a situation. Uh, but... This one has a lot of people up in arms. Um, so, like, I like the design space for the most part. I think that this is definitely pushed to its limits. And obviously, in a in a casual and social format, as Commander tends to be, um, this this card definitely pushes some buttons in a lot of places. Where where do you fall on this? I would be okay with this card if it was one, one one ability or the other. I thought you meant one mana. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> no. I would be okay with this if it was one ability or the other. Um, this, combining the two, just... Doubling the ability means that you're going to load this deck with a bunch of creatures that enter the battlefield that have amazing triggers. Duh. I, I mean, that's, that's not rocket science. The problem is... It also then shuts off all the enter the battlefield triggers for for all of your opponents. Right. Okay. Way back when, let's go in the way back machine. Wizards of the Coast uh, started to realize that they were creating all of these creatures and other permanents, specifically creatures that had abilities that sat on the battlefield and made the board state very complicated to figure out. You know. Because it would sit there and it would say, you know, this now happens all the time. And people would, you know, you can internalize some of that. But at some point it gets to be too much and you're having to figure it out all the time. And they recognized that this was where it was going. So what they wanted to do was sort of simplify things. The, the way they decided to do this was to make most of your creatures, if they did something, make it an enter the battlefield trigger. That way... Your creature still does something cool, but it hits as soon as you cast your creature, you do the thing, and then you walk away, and, and then it's done. And then what do you have? You have a creature that's just a 4-4. A mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about what the text is, because it's irrelevant. It's already into the battlefield. It's done all that. So maybe you've got a 4-4 with trample or some ability, and then there's a text that says what it does when it enters the battlefield, and that's it. So wizards went and did this for a very long time. So most of their creatures had enter the battlefield triggers. Now, in the last few years, we're starting to move away from that as wizards starts to focus more and more 
on making creatures for commander. So they're not limiting themselves to the enter the battlefield creatures. They're doing all kinds of stuff. So it can enter the battlefield. It can leave the battlefield. It when it exiles, uh, when it comes out of exile, when it does this, when it does that, when it's on the battlefield, it does X. So there are a lot of a lot of different ways for them to use this now. But it still means that there is a huge portion of creatures that have entered the battlefield triggers. And a lot of those are staples. Cards that everybody is using all the time. Mm. Creature enters the battlefield and you get to draw a card. Creature enters the battlefield and you get to destroy a permanent. Creature enters the battlefield and and you get a treasure or you get mana or it, like these are basic basic cards and everybody expects that their creature gets to enter the battlefield. There are plenty of times when it enters the battlefield and would just immediately die. But your creature does enter the battlefield. So you get this benefit. Elish Norn just says, yeah, I want to take the 10% of the creatures that enter the battlefield and neuter them completely. That's a lot. It is. That's a lot. And that's only half of the card. <laughs> you know, that's only half of what the card does. So I think it's, I think it's too much. I yeah. think it goes over the top. Um, I, I'm not saying that it needs to be banned because I think there are other creatures that also go over the top that aren't banned <laughs> and they're just fine. I keep yeah. looking at cards like Dead Eye Navigator. Dead Eye Navigator is busted. It is oh, just yeah. busted. And if people who played blue were using Dead Eye Navigator with their Enter the Battlefield creatures, then it's just two mana to get whatever ability you want. And you can just literally rapid fire it. It yeah. stops you from getting damage. It stops from it stops so much. But it never gets used. I'm hoping Elish Norn will land along those same lines. We'll have to deal with it. Some games will be annoying for a little while. And then at some point, most people are either going to decide, this is boring. These games suck. <laughs> I'm not playing against Elish Norn. Or pick your variety of reasons. Yeah. I'm hoping Elish Norn becomes just, you know, something that shows up every once in a while that you have to suffer through. Um, yeah. Because I don't want to see the card banned. But... Right. I uh, Yeah. And I, I, I think we can touch on that a little bit later. Um, yeah. And, because, I mean, I think that there are obvious uh, workarounds with this. Um, and I, right. I... For those who don't know about Deadeye Navigator, it's a 5-5 five, five for 6. It's 4 blue-blue. Uh, as Soulbound, and it says as long as Deadeye Navigator is paired with another creature, each of those creatures has one and a blue to exile this creature, then return it to the battlefield under your control. So, uh, you know, simple flicker effect for two mana, but because it's on both of them and because, like, it's only two, right. it, it's so easily abusable, even beyond abusing ETBs. Um, this right. pro this I mean, protects your creatures from targeted removal. Right. Um, it protects your commander. Yeah. You know, unless unless you're going to uh, use mass removal to get rid of both of the, the paired creatures. Right. One of them can always blink the other. And so, like, I mean, I think Deadeye Navigator obviously is a bigger bigger issue in in this context. 
Um, but I think that's that's what you always hear is like, oh, well, like, you know, easy. It dies to removal. Like, it, it ended up becoming a meme at some point, but I feel yeah. like there are certain people. I mean, obviously, always you get the 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 angry people are always louder type of thing. Uh, so right. uh, I would not say that this is by any means a majority of people, but uh, a lot of people online will be like, oh, well, like it dies to removal. And it's like, all right, now it's yeah. it's coming back from being a meme, but like, it shouldn't because yeah, you should run removal in your decks. You should run uh, interaction. You should like, yeah, no, sure, like it, Elish Norn isn't a problem if you continue to counter it, but like at five mana, especially in white nowadays, and especially with treasures, it, you, they're gonna try every turn to get it out. Right, uh, and this is really what. I mean, honestly, I want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean... And we don't necessarily have to focus on Elish Norn. Uh, I want to focus more on the idea that, uh, you know, any creature is fine to play. Because it, it dies to removal. So, right. unless a creature doesn't die to removal, then, you know, then it's not okay. Then it could be a problem. But if it can die to removal, then it's somehow okay. This whole dies to removal, or uh, what I see more recently is you should run more removal. Right. Uh, okay. This is bullshit, <laughs> and it's just it's just hot garbage. And I sort of want to go through this a little bit and explain why I why I, I, I why I don't believe that uh, just more you know just adding more removal is the solution to all of the ills relating to uh, relating to various overpowered creatures. Uh, right. And Elish Norn specifically, so. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you and I may differ in a lot of these upcoming opinions, but I feel like... Um, well, that's the, excellent. Yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the heart of the statement will probably prevail. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, like, right. first off, like, decks are supposed to be expressions of, of like, you know, your artistry and whatever. Like, I, and if you're sacrificing that for removal, especially any kind of significant amount of removal, and, and I know that you've right. got some numbers here. Um, yeah. Like then they're just it's just gonna become homogenous which is like the issue right. that people have with commander already uh, right so let's let's jump into this right away let's just do this how much removal is enough so we're looking at 100 card decks is 10 if 10 are 10 cards dedicated to removal is that enough I, I would argue. I would say it's too many. <laughs> well, and I would say it. If it isn't enough, then everything that you just talked about, about the individuality of the deck and letting the deck do something, or you know, focusing the deck around your commander. Well, unless your commander is a commander that's dedicated to destroying your opponent's creatures, then running more removal is going to take away from the theme of your deck. It's going to take away from what you want your deck to do. So I think 10 pieces of removal is probably lots. 
Yeah. And I wouldn't want to go more than that. So I put some numbers, I put some numbers into the machine. Oh. So mother of machines. Uh, yeah. So I went to I went to the web, I went to a website where uh, where it'll figure out the odds. So assuming a assuming a 99 card deck because the commander's not in the deck. Assuming a 99 card deck and 10 pieces of removal. How, you know, what is the likelihood of us finding removal by whatever turn? Mm. So uh, let's uh, so I used Elish Norn as, as an example. And my thought was uh, okay, so Elish Norn costs five. So let's let's assume that the, the Elish Norn player can get Elish Norn out by turn four because we're all running we're all running ramp. The card costs was it four and a white? Yeah. So finding the colored mana should not be an issue in an all white deck because this is your commander. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be that hard to see this on turn four between soul ring or tithe or whatever, however other ways you have to ramp. Let's say turn four. So this means that you really need to have your removal on by turn six because how many turns, how many rounds do you think it's safe to have Elish Norn out there? Right. With your opponent then casting more spells and getting double the benefit. Um, it just, I wouldn't want Elish Norn out there any longer than two rounds because I think that's, that's lots. Because if it goes more than two rounds, then they get to not only cast one set of creatures after they've played Elish Norn, but then they get to do it again the following turn. And that's when it turns into, uh, they're going to be drawing extra cards, extra land, extra everything. And things will spiral out of control for you. So you need to have this removal by, what are we saying here? By about turn six. Now, on turn six, you've got your, uh, the seven cards you started with, six more cards, um, because we're on turn six. And then assuming you've got another, you've drawn an extra card for whatever reason. Probably more than one, but... Let's go with that. Now, if you're running 10 pieces of removal, it means that by then the odds of you running it are going to be just somewhere over 77%. Um, my numbers are all kind of, are, are a little bit screwy here. But, um, but it, what this means is that just under one-fourth of your games, you're not going to have that removal by then Yeah. to, to stop Elish Norn. So one in every four games, Elish Norn just is going to get to do what Elish Norn does. And this is with ten pieces of removal. Yeah. And, like, on top of that, too, it's like, okay, even if you do get it, which, like, you know, our odds are high. um, Yeah. You, like... Right. There's a... There is a good chance that of your 10 pieces of removal, maybe two of them are creatures that, 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 are, that enter the battlefield to destroy your creature. Well, they don't work against Elish Norn. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe the Elish Norn player has uh, a card that gives Elish Norn protection from a color. And that happened, and 
that happens to be the color of the card you're using to destroy to try and destroy it or exile it or whatever you're doing. Right. <clears throat> right. Now, right. Now, let's just say that you're in one of those, say, three of four games where you have the removal. And let's say the removal it works and you get rid of Elish Norn. Well, congratulations, because Elish Norn is a really good commander. They're going to recast it. There's not a doubt they're going to recast it. And let's say it takes them a couple of turns. Let's say it takes them a couple of turns to recast it. It won't, because by then they're going to have the mana to recast it right away. But even if you assume a little bit later and they replay the commander, what are now the odds that you've got your next piece of removal? Because at this point, you're going to have seen, I don't know, 20 cards. So you're going to see a, have seen a third of your deck but you'll have need to, needed to see two pieces of removal. Well, now we're down to, according to, according to the stats that I ran, you're down to a 64% chance of having that second piece of removal. Well, congratulations. So in two thirds of your games, you're going to be, a, be able to deal with Elish Norn. Assuming, of course, the Elish Norn player has no way to protect Elish Norn either time, and all of your removal actually is effective against Elish Norn. This is, I don't know, is 64% really the acceptable number? I a mean, a third of your <laughs> games are going to be destroyed by Elish Norn. I, I, right. So, I, I, the way I see, I'm just not sure that that's enough. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would be happy with those numbers. And for folks who say, to get a higher percentage, run more removal. Well, to you, I say, I'm already running 10 pieces of removal. Yeah. Do and you that's... want me to be running 20? Right. Because, like you said, at some point, my deck has to be able to do something. And I want it to follow my theme. And I want, I want to have fun with the deck. I don't want my entire deck to just be about having to stop you. Yeah, you shouldn't have to use up one third of your your non land cards for removal, um, especially right. when you know a percentage of those will be uh, creatures or permanents. Um, you know, this shuts off your O rings. This shuts off your meteor golems, um, and I think the issue too ends up then being like. Well, okay, like, why don't you just run all spell removal? And it's like, well, be, because I'm because not going to... my next... Right, and my next game is not against Elish Norn. My next right. game is against the commander that that taxes all the sorceries and instants that yeah, I play. Yeah, your, your Jenga taxes. And... Like, oh, okay, that's helpful. Thanks so much. Um, and, yeah, like... It that's... doesn't work that way. That's the thing, too, is, like, you know, we didn't see this uproar with Jingataxius because people were playing ETB triggers uh, and not necessarily on uh, uh, just artifacts, you know? And I right. think the thing with Elish Norn specifically is, like, we, like, you don't want 
the format to warp around this one card. Like, that's why people... Or that's why cards get banned, is because they they end up warping whole the whole format and people are too like yeah like it, it's format warping in the worst possible way you know like you can have arcane signet which is format warping but not like in a terrible terrible way you just throw it in your deck and voila like it's been reprinted enough that it's you know a dollar so it's it's not even right. that but like with Elish Norn, um, yeah, you're not going to want to form your whole deck around spell-based removal because unless you're a spell deck, like it, it, you just feel like a hostage to the situation rather than dealing with it, you know? Right. Well, and cards like Arcane Signet, I mean, they're in your they're in your deck not because they're in your deck to assist your deck in doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the downside to the Signet is that it's generically good, so it belongs in so many decks, but it's helping you to actually do what your deck does. Right. Whereas Elish Norn is also helping you do, helping your deck do what it does, and it really well, but it's also it's also hindering everybody else, and it's almost it's as though it's like incidental. I mean, you could treat that you could treat that whole second ability as just just a bonus. Yeah, it's just a bonus. You know, I would run this card anyway if it. You know, I mean, it's Yarok, if, the desecrated, but right, just in white and like a little bit extra of like the worst kind of uh, interaction, the worst kind of like. Like, oh, you can't do anything. Um, and personally, what I have an issue with with this card specifically compared to the other Praetors is that Urabrask, you're still getting your card. You're, it's yeah. it's not staying in your hand, and everybody knows what it is. Jingataxius, it's just the first of that kind of spell that gets countered. Uh, right. With the green one, you're still getting your creature. You're just not getting the plus one counters. Uh and with Shieldred, like, life is a resource, blah, blah, blah. It's easy to deal with. Um, and so with 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 Elish Norn, it's just shutting it off. It's not like, oh, the first, you know, one gets gets countered. It's, it, there's no, there's no ETBs outside of this person's. Um, like, it's, it's not doing anything necessarily to further your own board state or your own like it's it's literally just saying no and that's all it's doing i mean it's right. it's it's the the second part obviously not the first yeah. part uh and yeah like i feel like there was probably a better way for them to do that <laughs> um it's disgusting all, all of all of the Praetors are disgusting. All ten of them. No, there's eleven, because Atraxa is a Praetor. Andy, I think we should probably head for break. Probably. Um, when we come back, I want to talk... Um, I want to focus a little bit more on... Not necessarily on the removal aspect, but mm-hmm. on... Um, 
Elish Norn and uh, and looking at uh, looking at how you know whether or not this is a card that belongs in your deck, mm-hmm. and just sort of uh, just take a look at it from that perspective. Yeah, um, when we get back, uh, if we get back, um, our ETB will trigger. So uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by none other than Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. Because, what, you thought I was going to pick another card? This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Doomblade, Classic Removal. Elish Norn dies to Doomblade. <laughs> this episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Meteor Dome. Oh, wait. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by... Bone Shredder. Oh, no, not brought to you by Bone Shredder. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Cavalier of Night. Oh. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Oblivion Ring. No. It's, a, it's an enchantment that sits there and does nothing. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Dakmore Lancer. A 3-3 creature for 6 mana that, when it comes into play, doesn't do anything. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Oblivion Ring. Because it will happen twice. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Deathbringer Regent. Because it's a 5-6 flying creature, and when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand and there are 5 or more other creatures on the battlefield... Nothing happens. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Meteor Golem, because it will happen twice. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Dread Cacodemon, an 8-8 for 10. And when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand... Wow, that was a depressing break. We're back, and uh, (laughs) all will be one. Um, Welcome back, episode 91. Uh, We're talking about the Mother Machines, Elishnorn herself. She's a 4-7 with Vigilance. Uh, She doubles your ETBs. She negates your opponent's ETBs. It's not very fun. Uh... But we're also just kind of talking about the the space of dice to removal because uh, this card right. specifically is makes makes the whole thing kind of un- uncomfy. Uh, so another thing that people talk about with um, you know when that when the subject of banning the card comes up mm-hmm. is how it warps the format. And to me, one of the ways that it can warp the format is showing me, you know, what decks should Elish Norn go in? I mean, let's set aside the fact that Elish Norn can be your commander. What about card what about decks that are just have white in the cost? Yeah. Should Elish Norn be added in into those decks? And my thought was. If you really want, you know, if every, if, if most white decks, I won't say every, 
Like <laughs> if most white decks would be better with Elish Norn instead of whatever your 99th card was, mm. then arguably then Elish Norn is should should be in the deck. So I'm curious how many how many decks should Elish Norn be in? So <clears throat> I am certainly not going to go through and look at every commander that has white to figure out and then, you know, decide based on that whether or not Elish Norn. But I did think that I could at least go through my own decks and take a look to just sort of get a general a general idea of whether or not I think it belongs in the deck. Yeah. Um, and when I started tallying things up, I realized I have, well, I don't currently have, but I'm including a couple of the decks that I've recently taken apart. Um, so I have eight different decks here. So I want to go through, a, go through these and just sort of get a sense as to where Elish Norn would fit and, or if it would fit in the deck, like, does it help? And just sort of get a, you know... I mean, I think it's safe to say Elish Norn is not going to be the next Soul Ring. It's not going to be in every single white deck. It's just not. Right. But how many? How many won't it go in? <laughs> so I was kind of curious. So I, I, I sort of did a quick, a quick tally. Um, <clears throat> so one of the decks that I pulled apart is Fire Song and Sunspeaker. Okay. Um, and I thought about Elish Norn in that deck. Now... The difficulty is, you know, when I think about that deck, I always cry a little bit. So it's a little <laughs> hard to get past that. Um, you just got to update it, man. There, there's just, been so much support lately for this deck. Right. So I look at it and I say, now, Firesong and Sunspeaker, the focus is really, is very much on the instants and the sorceries. Mm -hmm. It is far less on, on, on enter the battlefield triggers because they tend to be on, on permanence. So how, how often was Elish Norn going to help? Um, and looking at the deck, there are, enough, there are enough creatures in the deck that have Enter the Battlefield triggers that Elish Norn would probably help. I mean, it's not going to hurt. And in the long run, even with, even with a, a lower number of Enter the Battlefield triggers, there are so many ways to stop this deck, and Elish Norn shuts down a lot of those options. Yeah. So I think Elish Norn should go in this deck. Yeah, I mean, it's a win more card. It's a 4-7 with Vigilance for 5. Like, it's... Right. The vanilla test is astounding. Uh, but especially since it's a win more card, like, if you have any sort of critical mass of... of uh, ETB effects like anything more yeah. than five or six should be enough to include or at least in this case um, right so the next one that I've recently pulled apart is Krond okay um, so we're talking white green and I looked at I looked at the list um, and Krond is very much focused on the idea of uh, auras attached to Krond to do stuff um <clears throat> Even the other creatures in the deck, there weren't a ton of them that had enter the battlefield triggers. And even where they did, they were enter the battlefield triggers that said things along the line of, you know, return an enchantment from your graveyard to your hand. So you could return two. Um, so I think the benefits were there, 
They weren't huge. I think for, for the Kron deck, if Elish Norn was there, it'd be fine, but I don't think it's needed. Yeah. You know, if Elish Norn is a $10 card, then I'm probably not going to spend the $10 to fit it into Kron. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I sort of classified that one as a maybe. Um, the other one, uh, ne- the next one I looked at was Tajik. Okay. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, this is old Tajik. So, <laughs> old Tajik is essentially looking for cards that make him bigger, because there is a Voltron aspect, and cards that help uh, get more ca- more creature tokens onto the battlefield, because it, it also has a go wide. Um, most of the cards that get uh, token creatures onto the battlefield were sorceries. Mm. There's a couple of creatures that bring creatures with them, but not a lot. Um, and then there's a lot of cards that are equipment or auras that you that you you know equip to Tajik to try and make him bigger. This was a deck where Elish Norn. I really think Elish Norn in this deck is just uh, is just there to slow your opponent's ability yeah. to you know is to stop their enter the battlefield triggers. I don't think it. It doesn't offer really offer anything of substance to Tajik. Yeah, and I so, feel like that's probably the case with most uh, either uh, token decks or or Boros je- decks in general, unless you're playing something like Impact Tremors or Hellkite Tyrant, uh, where like it's going to be triggering multiple times so that you can deal more and more damage. But um, yeah, I think the the specifically with boros it's it's tough to justify right. the 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 card <laughs> it's tough yeah. um so the next one uh Ineos. now my Ineos deck uh it's a lot of flying creatures um and you you swap you can swap permanents but that's not the super essential part it's mostly getting through and doing a lot of damage Ineos is another one where uh, Ineos can can be a Voltron, or it can pump the pump and go wide. Um, I looked at the cards in this one. Uh, there are plenty of enter the battlefield triggers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's enough to make Elish Norn worth it. I don't know how many enter the battlefield trigger cards you need for Elish Norn to be considered worth it in your deck. Yeah. For this one, my note was basically probably should yeah so like with with any as um if your goal is to like swap creatures and stuff um you're probably going to be using more etbs anyway i know that your goal is specifically is to just fly in and and do a bunch of damage but with with any as uh if you if most of your creatures are etb effects they're not going to be doing much once they're on the battlefield, so you won't feel so bad about swapping them with other people, um, right? Which the, obviously yeah. is where Elish Norn could come into play. Right. Uh, the deck is better. not using <laughs> right. The deck is not looking to abuse enter the battlefield triggers on my cards. They're just there to be used once, or if I recur the card a second time. But it's I'm not expecting to be able to see that trigger multiple times. So. So Elish Norn helps, mm-hmm. but not it's not huge. Um, the next one is Queen Marchesa. Uh, now, this is a three-color deck. Uh, 
and this is a strong yes. <laughs> there are you can become double so mark. Many, there are so many cards that yeah that enter the battlefield give you the monarch. Enter the battlefield does this and does that and a lot a lot of them. This yeah Elish Norn definitely belongs in this deck, um, and on top of that. It also shuts down anyone else's creatures who come into the battlefield and take the monarch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it definitely belongs in Queen Marchesa. There's there's just no doubt uh, with the creatures that I've chosen for the deck. Um, I think yeah, flavorfully exactly. too, it it kind of fits in there. Yeah, um, I could see I could see Queen Marchesa aligning herself with Elishorn. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I. Here's a theory, because we don't know what Elishorn looks like pre-completion. Yeah. Queen Marchesa. Who knows? Big brain. Who knows? There's a lot of similar letters in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so the next deck, uh, Yennet. Mm. Um, one, first off, Elishnorn is is uh, is odd. How Cost odd five. indeed. So it fits theme-wise, at least. It is a card that could be in the deck because everything in Yennet is uh, is an odd mana cost. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, does it does it work? Does it help? Well, yes, because a lot of the cards that I put into Yennet are there um, with the understanding that these cards are entering the battlefield in the middle of combat. So I know that. Uh, you know, so the enter the battlefield triggers will still kick in, and I can still remove an opponent at that point because there's no blockers have been declared, and I definitely had that in mind when choosing a lot of the cards that went into this deck. So, sh- should Elish Norn be there? Definitely, definitely. That's oh yeah, this is uh, that would be a huge benefit for Yennet. Yeah, yeah. I think with the I think with Yennet, like your your ideal game is these big splashy things just popping into existence mid combat. Um, yes. And yes. like having Elish Norn <laughs> be one of those things is honestly, it's funny because it would probably be one of the weakest pulls um, because it oh, yeah, for combat. It, it would, right. Yeah. It doesn't it immediately do something. Um, <laughs> right. But, but the benefit is that, Okay. But it's five mana I didn't have to spend mm. because I flipped it, and it does mean that on my opponent, as soon as my opponent, as soon as my opponents start taking their turn, you can't do enter the battlefield triggers anymore. Mm. So, and I love that. She's a four seven. You have a blocker now. Like, I mean, I know that Yenit Yenit is already vigilant. Oh yeah, no Yenit's great, but you know, hey, it does mean that Elish Norn can swing. I mean, yeah. it's a four-seven with Vidge. This thing is not going to get blocked by a lot. Um, so I'm down to the last two decks, and I saved these for the end because honestly, there's just no way that Elish Norn doesn't belong in these decks. So uh, the next one is Emil. Okay. Uh, Emil, where the ability is spend three, flicker a creature. Well, the deck is designed to have stuff bounce. I had a game where I got a chance to flicker uh, Solemn Simulacrum five times. This is coming so from the man five... who says that Deadeye should be... 
Right. Exactly. And so, so let's take let's take Dead Eye's ability and slap it onto a, a legendary creature and yeah. make it color a colorless uh, ability. Um, yeah, but it costs three. It costs three. It costs yeah, three. You're right. you're right. You're right. So not with Hearthstone. But, but hey, if you can get Solemn Simulacrum, hit it, hit it five, get five lands out of it. Surprise, Elish Norn is here. You're getting ten lands out of mm. it. This is there. There's just. Almost every single creature in the deck is enter the battlefield trigger. Because mm. I wanted everything to work with Emil. Uh, so adding adding Elish Norn is is a given. I mean, honestly, it's uh, this is one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put one, I'm gonna buy one, put it in my cart, and let it sit there until it's available. Because mm. Emil is just there's no way Elish Norn should should not be in that deck. I, yeah. I, I just don't think the deck is built correctly if you don't include Elshnorn. Um, it's so. it's it's already a, a pretty tuned deck for the most part. I think just it because is. Uh, the the ability it's it's uh, <clears throat> built behind is is very like very good. Uh, yeah, it is. It is already super resilient. And I think I think the thing that that makes a meal better, or not better, but like feels better than uh, Dead Eye is that uh, I believe a meal can't flicker himself or themselves. Hmm. Uh, I don't think so. Um, so like so. easier easier to remove uh, compared. Yeah, to Yeah, yeah. So Emil dies to removal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it is an easier thing to take care of than uh, you. You know what? You know what's great against an Emil deck? Elish Norn. Elish Norn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, because uh, then all Emil does is it takes my creatures out of the game. I've and then I mean, brings them back, so it, it can still dodge removal, but it doesn't actually do anything when they return to the battlefield. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. It Elish Norn would be very nasty in this deck. Yeah. Very nasty. Um, the last one that I have is Brina. Now, Brina's brand new, and I look through it, and I have ten different Enter the Battlefield triggers in that deck. Huh. I gotta think that if I've got ten Enter the Battlefield triggers, that Elish Norn should be in the deck. Um, and then add into that what Elish Norn does to your opponent's it gives Are they, Brina a little and it would give yeah. Brina more time. Yeah, with with Brina specifically, it's it's very much like a pillow forty like mm-hmm. I mean we we had a whole episode about it last season. Uh go check right. that out. We had two episodes. That's one yeah. that's twenty percent of uh our season. That's more than I'm willing to commit removal to my deck for Elish Norn. Uh, right. We won't be talking about removal again this season. No. Because this is already ten percent. It's ten out of a hundred. Yeah. So we're done. We're done with we're done talking about removal for for the rest of this season, but uh, um, but yeah, I mean, even like, are those those ten ETBs worth doubling? I I think it's I'm hard pressed to say that when is an enter the battlefield trigger not worth doubling? I'm always going to be looking to add. Well, I mean, if a I little can, bit of value why is always great, I? yeah. Um, so like, I mean, even like you said, like solemn simulacrum gets you an extra land. Um, you know, even I don't I don't know. 
I wish I had another another card ready, but uh, I mean, even I, you came to me with this idea earlier today, and I decided to look through my decks and realized I'm taking them apart. So uh, I <laughs> tried to think of the ones that I had in white. I've got the Kit Canto Precon, which uh, yeah, I mean, it could probably go in there fine. Uh, but then I was thinking about my Tesa deck that I took part months ago. Um, and honestly, like, I, I don't know if it would belong in that deck. I think I would need to have that deck be more revolved around the life gaining of entering the battlefield. But that's all it would do is double life gain. Um, and the deck does fine. It does superbly without uh, doubling any ETBs. Granted, that deck is based around leaving the battlefield and death triggers uh and i'm trying to think of anything else i have in white um my bruce tarl deck i don't know if it would necessarily like again it's like your meteor golems your your o-rings get doubled your uh i was gonna say revel arc but that's leave the battlefield ah <laughs> um but it's it's this card that like it definitely i i feel like it promotes a better like play space in uh in the 99 rather than in the command zone granted with the command zone you can see it coming but when it's in the 99 elish norn is removable <laughs> uh you know sword of plowshare right we've gotten rid of the whole thing altogether great amazing yeah. um even to the point of, like, if they're playing white and blue, like, it's going to be hard for them to get Elishnorn back out of the graveyard. Uh, if they're playing red or green, uh, mm. it's also going to be, like, it, getting it into the graveyard is m massively important. And having it in the command zone is not going to do that. Like, it's just going to go back to command zone so they can play it again. Um, and so, right. like, in the now 99, I, I see this as a problem but like not not even close to being bannable right now however mm -hmm. prophet akrufix got banned this is not a legendary creature this is a creature that can only be in decks that have green and blue that's true and yet somehow it got banned and it certainly dies to removal it has no way to protect itself from from that um, I think the, prob the problem we saw with Prophet of Crufix is, one, it is in green and blue. Mm -hmm. So green, meaning I can ramp it out faster. Blue, meaning, uh, oh yeah, you're untapping all of your lands every turn, so I'm always going to have counterspell mana up to protect it. So yeah, there's that added into what Prophet of Crufix already does, which is essentially quadruple your mana because you're getting to untap all that every turn. Um, and that was deemed bannable. I completely agree with that, um, especially because I know where the format was going at that time, and I know that even in my group, which was pretty insulated, <laughs> we had a lot of Prophet of Crufix running around in those decks. Yeah, so I mean, I'm okay with, this, with that. Yeah, with this card, it's very... It, it will lead to homogeneity, <clears throat> even within a, uh, a meta of five people you know <laughs> when you look at when you look at white and what white has done in the last couple of years 
with smothering tithes, master of ceremonies, uh, smuggler share, Archaeomancer's mm. map, um, Archaeomancer's uh, map, uh, and now the... Elish Norn. I would argue that you're now drifting into a, you're you're creating a situation where, can you can you see a white deck coming up that doesn't include all of those cards? Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm a little concerned that that's where we're headed. But if that's where we're headed, you know, then I'll leave it, you know, I'll leave it up to the rules committee to, uh, to determine if, if, if this one or something else along the way needs, needs to be adjusted. And to be clear, and I, I am not saying that this card should be banned. No. I think a banning is, we've described a card that could be banned. I think Elish, Elish Norn is definitely a card that could be banned because of its power level, because of whatever. But it needs to it needs to be warping the environment. It needs to take the fun out of games. It needs to do a lot of other things that you're only ever going to find out about once it's had a chance to be played. You know, give it give it give it three months, six months from now. The rules committee will come back. They'll talk to the CAG, they'll talk to every, you know, they'll be hearing back from everybody who's had to play against it or plays with it. And they'll have a much better sense of whether or not this is actually as troublesome as we, you know, as I think it could be. But again, Deadeye Navigator is not banned. And I think that that card is straight hot misery. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think, like, but, like you were saying, like, I, I, I do not think that it's even close to ban worthy. Um, not even like as com- as the commander, because like I do feel like it at least gives way to like differing decks. Like there's there's not a way to build it, um, and I think the like best comparison and i mean like you know we've got cards that have been banned before release hull breacher yeah and i don't know um if leovold was was banned before release but like leovold there's one way to build leovold like there's no way that you can build leovold where it doesn't just screw everybody over Um, well i tried right as the guy who did, as the guy who had Leovold as his preview card, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think tried, that... and I was the, I think the only person on the internet who did not recognize just how broke this card was. I some call it naivete. I call it uh, optimism. Um... <laughs> I call it stupidity. Um, <laughs> but either way, I am saying that um, I don't think this card. No card should be banned until we've at least seen it out in the wild for a period of time. We need to know whether or not it is going to get abused. Yeah. If it's if there's a card out there that says for one white an instant for one white mana that says gain gain two thousand life. If nobody plays it, does it need to be banned? No. So yeah, and I think then you just don't and you just leave it there until until it warps the format. I think that's the biggest thing for me is that uh, it, I don't think it needs to be banned because I think after a few games of playing with this, you will either be hate, like this deck will be hated off the table or 
like you're going to be playing alone you know right Um, i think i do think i think it's fine in the 99 but i think that it as the commander will be uh self-regulated um i i tend to agree i think what happens with elish norn um especially with play groups mm-hmm. i think elish norn gets played a few times um i think if it's as bad as i think it is then at some point that play group says we're not playing against that anymore right because i don't want to i don't want every game with elish norn to be turned into a three-on-one from start right. to finish until you're eliminated i want you know if we're playing a four-player game, I want it to be a four-player game. Everybody gets to twist and turn and do all that stuff. Not everybody gang tackles this one this one commander until it's dead. Um, and, you know, on yeah. top of that, maybe Elish Norn would be fine if we didn't our, if we didn't just get the Smothering Tide, the Archaeomancer's Map, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we didn't get all of the recent boosts that White has gotten, if this was just there... Well, okay, so there's no way to ramp it out. There's no way to recur it. Suddenly yeah. it stops being exciting. So It's definitely tough, because I, th- I think, too, like, with all this improvement of white, which, like, I fully support. Um, I do, too. We're, we're obviously seeing a drift from other colors. I mean, obviously not green or blue, but, like, you know, black. Like, I think black could be, is probably going to be the next uh, one up for improvement. Um and I think with Elish Norn, it may be like that they've maybe crossed the line. Um, and not in terms of like, oh, I think this this card is too good for anything. But like, I think that um, if you're the type of player who wants to play the three-on-one, then yeah, build this deck, do it. And like, you know, see how your playgroup reacts with it. But like, also be okay and like, don't don't be sad if everybody hates the deck off the table i mean i think that people need to be given the the experience of playing against the card before actually you know hating on it so much but i i think that it it has its clear issues i think that it is clearly it clearly leads to a lot of feel bads um, but I also think that like there is a time and place to be the big bad. Um, but if all of your games are going to be that, then it's it, like nobody's going to have fun, not even you. Um, right. And I think that's where a lot of these people are coming from on Twitter of like they are sick of being the big bad, but they want to play this card because they want the most value. And it's like, then don't do that. Like just be either be okay losing and being the big bad or don't play the card. Um, right. Well, and to be fair, like I just listed off eight decks. Yeah. And of those decks, a big chunk of them should have Elish Norn. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to put Elish Norn in those decks. <laughs> in fact, I can almost guarantee that I won't. Yeah. Elish it's Norn pre-release. is just a card. Well, it's pre-release cost card. right now is $90. <laughs> Right. I'm not... Forget about the dollar value. This card mm-hmm. is not fun for my opponents. No. I, I I play in a casual group, and 
I'm going to put out a card that's going to sit there on the battlefield and stop them, stop a big chunk of their deck from doing what it's supposed to do. It's one thing to run it. You can run a handful of counters. You can run some removal to stop what they're doing. But when you start dropping cards onto the battlefield that just literally shut big chunks of my opponent's decks down, that's not fun. I mean, yeah. And like, you know, when was the last time you saw Torpor Orb, you know? Um, uh, like in my group, never. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's not the type of thing that really is. Like, sure, it's it's you know big and bad right now, but that's because it's new. It's recency bias. Um, you know. Yes. But like, if you think about it, uh, Torpor Orb, you know, was released how oh, many years ago? Years ago. Twenty twenty eleven. So like 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, where it's like, well, this 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 card was uh, the last set for right. they started paying attention to Commander, um, and you don't see it. And if you did, no. then yeah, you're gonna see Elish Norn. If not, then you're probably not gonna see it. Yeah. So I will be interested to see what the uh, what the results are and. And what the rules committee decides to do, um, but like I said, I'm not looking. You know, I'm not looking for a ban. I just want I want to see how the how it works its way into the community and what where it sits. Then we can talk about ban. I would love to play against this card um, a couple times just to see how it works. Um, but you know, we'll see. We've got a few weeks left. Uh, yeah. Before it's released, into the, I guess probably a week until the pre-release. Uh, so, anywho, go support your local game store by going to your pre-release. Do it. I dare yes. you. Um, I'll I'll be trying to get out, but you know that money's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, social anxiety. It's not it's not great to go into a, a room full of strangers and play a game that you care about. Anyway. I, I've got nothing more to say about the white menace of uh, Elish Norn. I'm all good. I got my chance. You I are all to good. to talk about the removal. I wanted to talk about a little bit about Elish Norn. I'm talk excited for this set. Those things. Yeah, I think oh, it's yeah, going to be real cool. This. I'm excited I'm for this set. To it. I'm excited for the next one. Uh, and I'm excited for the next episode. Uh, episode 92. On the season, big big season X, uh, Temple of Falls pod, that's us. Our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Yeah, it is Bruce. Uh, go play some magic for me. Oh, or with me. Hmm? Hit me up. Eh? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Thanks so much for if listening. You, if you want to play magic on Spell Table, what you, is it like this? Oh, yeah, like yeah. This? yeah. I, I don't know. Pe- kids, kids will sure. know what this means. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time you used a camera that had a a crank? Um, When was the last time I used a camera other than the one on my phone? That's a good question. All right. I've completely derailed the ending. (laughs) (laughs) Go play some magic for me. Have a great night. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. 
Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!